0: This week on the Koshcast Ole fixes his wheel Arteta steals a win while Jose can't buy one Lamps is on the up while Pep is on the down Will coronavirus come back in town to steal the Premier League from Liverpool? Ramsey kills Inter while Madrid don't want to win the league We move
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Koshcast on UndertheKoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and we have a
0: full house. Bernie is here. Hey Alex, how you doing, man?
1: I'm very well. How are you? Great. Mohamed is here. Yep, I am. Just unmuting himself. How are you, man?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: there was a little bit of a lag
3: there, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and Rache is here. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I am doing well. I hope everybody's doing well too. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Let us start
1: with the week's football. Um, Leicester won 4-0 against Aston Villa today. Jamie Vardy rewarding anyone like me who kept him in their FPL team over the last 10 weeks where he hasn't done anything. Anyone else with me? Um, uh, Bernie?
0: Yes, I am with you. I strongly considered dropping the guy. Uh, but I saw I was Aston Villa, and I said, surely, surely, if there's one team that you're gonna come back and score against, or even you know play well against, it's gonna be Aston Villa. And uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Leicester did the did the deed. Excellent, Mahanid, did you keep him?
2: Um, I've never really had him for long of this of this season. I don't know. I've always kind of had the I think it was Aguero, Aubameyang, and then like a useless guy. And then I've... Oh, actually, the person that came clutch was Abraham for me for the longest time. And then Vardy never really made it. And, you know, that 10-game streak didn't help uh, of not scoring. So I never actually brought him in.
1: And, Roche, you were leading... I have no idea whether you still are, but you were leading us all for a large part of the season. Did you keep Jamie Vardy?
3: I am still leading the Um I don't think I still have Vardy because he just had a cold spell. And I made some transfers. I actually replaced Vardy, and then I got Aguero in my team. Aguero was completely useless. Yeah. And I ended up selling Aguero and rejigging my team again recently. But uh, nope, no Vardy. So I missed out on okay. today.
1: All right. Well, Bernie, you and I can, can celebrate. As much as you and Roche probably celebrated yesterday when Manchester United beat Manchester City 2-0 in a game that ostensibly Manchester City didn't really care about, but we will let you enjoy it anyway. Um, Roche, what were your thoughts on this game?
3: Um, well, it was, uh, it, was a, it was an okay game in terms of atmosphere. I thought, uh, obviously, the result is great. And, uh, you know, from a United perspective, a double over City hasn't come since the 2009 season, which is a long time ago. So um, you're very, very happy with the double over City, obviously, keeping a clean sheet. Um, Solskjaer beating Pep three times in a season. That's, uh, that's, that's looking very rosy. But obviously the quality of the game and the atmosphere of the game was a little bit down because obviously City uh, didn't have as much in it. You know, you can tell that they weren't really like their best selves or, you know, they didn't put out their best show. And, uh, you know, uh, United obviously capitalized on that, which was nice. But, um, you know, it's still, you know, when when you beat somebody else's best team or best performance, it means... Just like the extra ten percent more. So the fact that they weren't exactly at their best maybe puts that down a little bit. Um but I'm still happy with the win.
1: Yeah, yeah, City weren't living their best lives. That is that is for sure. Um, Bernie, I told you a couple of weeks ago that it looked to me like Olegano Solskjaer was starting to do a good job. And you were maybe skeptical is too strong, but you were certainly reserved about the idea that Solskjaer might actually be good. Um and this is a big admission for me because I have slated the guy from day one. So
0: where where do you stand now? Um, I'm in a good place right now. Uh, I didn't want to get my hopes up because we've been at this point before. Um, so that that was that. But, you know, you can't argue with 10 games uh, unbeaten, eight clean sheets, 24 goals scored, two conceded. Like, you you just cannot argue with that. And this is not... I guess we can say that you know they play well against big teams who let let them have the ball, but they beat Watford three 0 Bruges five one. They're starting to break down teams, and it's it's like we said last week. It's because they just have a good player, better than Lingard, better than Praia, a good player who can dictate play in the in the space in the little minutes of the game where United in the first half had the ball. Bruno Fernandes had one um, chance created for Daniel James. Another one for Martial. Of course, the goal, which was beautiful, beautifully orchestrated. Of course, Ederson was an idiot. But beautiful orchestration, which just shows the impact that the guys had. And I think that has made the difference. um, On top of the fact that Solskjaer is just generally doing a decent job. They're in the Europa League quarters. uh, Well, yeah, quarters. FA Cup quarters. Going to beat Norwich probably. Three points off top four when they should never have been, Apparently you said they'd be relegated with him. So, honestly, we have to give the man credit for the job that he's doing considering this is the most difficult job in world football. Sorry, this is the most difficult job in world football. Making Manchester United great again, MAGA or whatever, is the most difficult job in world football. Real Moda. Madrid is difficult because its expectations but you have Florentino who just wants to spend money you have Ed Woodward who doesn't know how to and doesn't want to at times Sorry, so if, if you're the manager
1: of Manchester United and you can go and buy a 20 year old right back for 50 million and slab Ed Maguire for a world record breaking fee and then six months later Bruno Fernandes for 50 million like this isn't this isn't, I'm not saying it's an easy job, and I, and I
0: started this by giving Solskjaer credit, but like, he can spend his way to a good team. But he's not, and that's the difference. He's brought in Brandon Williams, brought in Mason Greenwood. Everyone said that taking, getting rid of Lukaku was a mistake, though we always said that was not the problem. He has a director in Ed Woodward who didn't give him the player in Bruno Fernandes that he wanted in the summer. So there are all these things where Mourinho, Van Gaal, Moyes have all failed at this job that should show you just how difficult the job is and it's all because of the people above that's what i mean by the most difficult because the situation is not advantageous for anyone coming in whereas <laughs> other jobs will be advantageous at times because of the scenario behind the scene
1: i, I would argue that van hal didn't fail anyway uh mohaned um let's bring you in on this uh oligar social yes or no
2: honestly man like i want him yeah i'd like i'd like them to keep him for as long as possible um, I think is uh, you 'll get you 'll get you know runs here and there, but i don 't think he 's the guy to bring United back to kind of being the best uh, team in the in the league anyways um enough about united I want to talk a little bit about city um and something that i 've seen recently with city is that i don 't know i and i don 't have the data points to kind of back this up it's just for me watching city. I feel that their midfield this season has sometimes been way too static their center midfield so and and it especially comes when Gundogan plays. Um him and Rodri are both way too static, not enough fluidity. Um, they're both quite slow in transition. And you know, KDB is the only one that kind of carries a slack in that middle three. And I just feel um, you know, even Rodri doesn't contribute kind of both ends of the field as much as let's say Fernandino did running up and down. And and it really kind of just sticks out to me when I watch City play that their midfield needs way more fluidity. They need a guy that can be really box-to-box, can run around and help De Bruyne a little bit because it just feels heavy in that centre-three and they just pass the ball along again and again. And, you know, you looked at this game, United let them have the ball and they just passed it around and none of Rodri or Gundogan are going to provide any sort of creative, penetrative passing that is going to, you know, break a a deep block. And I, I felt that that's been one of their issues all season and I saw it again this game. So you know, not taking anything away from United. I think they've played great, they played to the plan that we all know they were going to do. Uh, Martial and Dan James were, were really pivotal with that kind of pace up top, but City are not helping themselves with that, with that slow midfield, I think.
1: Uh, did you see what Pep said about the Martial-Dan um, James threat? No. Uh, we play our game. They waited and did long balls
0: K- to, can J- I- to James and Martial. Can, can I jump in? Because, I mean, yes, they, they did do that. But <clears throat> a long ball is usually to an Andy Carroll. <laughs> they're playing the ball in the channel and then wave after wave of players. So was talking about the midfield. <clears throat> I think it was spot on in a sense because Bruno Fernandes is running through. Marcial's running through. They're literally running w- past the midfield. And these guys have no answer to that. Whereas before, Fernandinho would be there to stop anything that comes over the top, right? If Fernandini, if they have a solid defense and Fernandino was in the middle, that wasn't happening today because Rodri does not, does not have physicality or the pace to get back. So United had enough time to do that. The idea of, well, they just passed and, and we passed, 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 and they did that. Like, they beat you three times in a row. If you're the best manager in the world, don't make an excuse that this is just how we do it. Figure this out. Maybe buy a center back in January or something. Like, that's, that's just a terrible, terrible excuse.
1: Yeah, I, I am very curious why they didn't buy a centre-back injury. I mean, I have to assume it's because their target slash targets weren't available because there was really no excuse. I mean, Laporte has been such a big miss for them. And as soon as he, got, he came back, he got injured again. And I think you're right about that physicality and that energy in, in midfield. Like, even last year, they were relying on 34-year-old Fernandinho to give them that, um, at least defensively. And this year, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see more from Rodri, you know, next season. Um, but Gundogan certainly doesn't have that, that dynamism, um, and they need Fernandinho at the back because John Stones doesn't exist anymore; he's a ghost. And Otamendi is what, but did he even play? I don't even know what their, cent- their centre-back situation is. Just a joke for a club with their ambitions, and I think ultimately, that will probably do for them in the Champions League as well.
2: Yeah, and I also think, um, I mean, we talked about the the city midfield. We should really highlight a little bit too, Matic and Fred, who have been playing very well together and have been, you know, kind of crucial. We talk about Bruno Fernandes a lot. So, you know, let's give these guys a bit of praise. The last 10-game 10, 10 run, you know, Matic has really come into form, um, doing what he does. And obviously, we all know his limitations, but he seems to kind of not be uh, showing it as much in the last few games. And I don't know if that's like a, a system thing or he's just kind of playing smarter or maybe just fred next to him seems to really up his energy levels recently he's he's everywhere he's in the you know he's making the right decisions um left right penetrative passes uh, passes out to the wing backs or fullbacks or whatever he's been you know he's been phenomenal in midfield in the last few games and that's kind of the player i think that united were um waiting to see when they when they bought him um because he, he was a really good player at that point, and it just kind of fell to the, to the wayward a little bit. But he's, he's really picking it up. And, you know, if miraculously Pogba stays next season and you play a midfield of, you know, some combination of Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, Fred, McTominay, um, you know, three of those four, I think that's not a bad midfield if everybody's on, on form. So, you know, credit to them for, for really being um, top of the game in this last 10-game run.
1: Agreed. All right, before we move on, uh, I'm going to check in with the United boys. Um, Roche, Manchester United at a fifth, 45 points. Chelsea fourth, 48. Leicester third with 50. Uh, where are you going to end up with 10, nine games to go?
3: Well, it's, uh, it's exciting to think that top four is touching distance. And uh, obviously one Chelsea loss and United, if they win their game in hand, will be tied on points and be ahead on goal difference with Chelsea. Um, well, what's more interesting to me is Leicester City's form because they've been, been dropping a lot of points recently. Obviously, today they won pretty convincingly 4-0. But Leicester, I think, now have 53 points with nine games left. And so they're oh, yeah, about sorry, sorry. Um, so 45 points for United, 53 for Leicester. So eight points. Um, so that's, that's the team I would look at. You know, Leicester in third place with 53 points. Um, so we're eight points behind that. And, um, you know, if we want to make top four, we have to make sure that Well, we even being united, we have to make sure that, uh, obviously, we win as many of those nine games and hope that everyone else drops points and uh, hopefully drop more than eight points.
0: I'll I'll just add um, that – oh, sorry, Roche. I'll just add that um, when you look at the fixture list um, of the two teams, Chelsea still have City to play in a postponed game. They still – and then they end – well, they have Sheffield United away to play still, and then their last two games are Liverpool who probably will play the reserve, so maybe they'll win that. Uh, and then Wolves on the last day. United only have Spurs left to play. And I think one more, maybe Leicester. I don't remember. But it's not, United have an easier run in, which may not be a good thing for that team. But, you know, as long as United keep the defense as solid as it's been with, I mean, Maguire and Wamasaka in the last two months have been sensational. Wamasaka, player of the season, probably for us, um, in, my, in my opinion. They keep that going and the midfield then maybe they have confidence to take this run. But Chelsea do have a tougher run in. All right, fair enough. We will see. Um, Speaking of your top four challenges, Chelsea
1: smashed Everton on the weekend. Absolutely smashed them. With a front three of uh, Geriatric Giroud, Wiley Old Willian, and Pensioner Pedro. Everton? Uh, sorry, Roche, What happened to your beloved Everton and Carlo Ancelotti? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, Carlo Ancelotti got a red card after <laughs> the full-time whistle against United, um, which was a shame <laughs> because I thought, you know, I thought Everton were pretty good in the recent weeks. Maybe they lost their key man, and uh, you know, without him, Calvert Lewin was a uh, shadow of his former self. Um, <laughs> without Daddy on the touchline. So, um, yeah, but full credit to Chelsea. Chelsea, I mean, 4-0, and I think some of the goals are pretty good. So, um, can't say say much there. Bernie, you have been
1: very critical of Chelsea, or maybe critical is not the right word. Uh, You've been circumspect about them, but uh, what did you think of this? Especially also, you know, the inclusion of of Billy Gilmore, who has come on and made a, a name for himself in the last
0: couple of weeks. I, I think that uh, this was a fantastic performance. Um, my only beef with Lampard is I think everyone has given him too much benefit of the doubt. Uh, the same way I think that uh, people gave Ancelotti too much benefit of the doubt. However, you have to respect what this guy is doing here. With Gilmore, um, with Tamori, with Mason Mount who scored, you have to respect that. But then again, the judgment of Lampard is interesting because ever since Giroux started playing, they've been killing it. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for a new striker, and it didn't make sense. Like, Giroud is a good striker if you give him service. And Chelsea's a team that's engineered to give the man service. And, of course, he makes space for everyone else. It didn't make sense to us. I remember we were talking about this on, other, on one of the pods before. So, I'm, I'm glad, I mean, for them, I'm glad that he's figured that out because it only made sense. Um, but Everton, honestly, even against United, first half they were garbage, second half they were good. In this game, they were horrendous start to finish. They're just not good enough to compete. And it doesn't matter if you have Ancelotti. They're just not good enough, unfortunately. Yep, I would agree. Uh, Mohanad, I want to ask you um, about
1: the front three of Chelsea. Um, As I said, Giroud, William, and Pedro all scoring. All three have their contracts coming up. At the end of this season. And Chelsea don't look like they're going to renew any of them. Um, They've tried to give Willian a one-year deal. He wants to. Pedro, I think everyone's accepted that he's leaving. Giroud clearly wants out. Um, A game like this will sometimes make a club do a a rash thing and offer a contract where they didn't think they were going to before. But what would you do? Because like, I know these guys are older and they're not setting the world alight week on week, but... That's still a significant amount of A, firepower, and B, experience to lose from what is a really young squad.
2: Um, before I answer, can you remind me who Chelsea signed already? There's there's a guy that they made a really good sign. Who was it? Um, like, for the summer, it's already kind of agreed. Who was it?
1: Hmm? Um, oh, uh, Hakim Ziyech.
2: There we go. Okay, now I'm just going to... I needed that to answer. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think... I think William. there's a lot of rumors that he's, you know, there's actually quite significant rumors that Arsenal are looking at him because, you know, we're cheap and he's out of contract and he's a winger. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think if you're going to, Pedro's, I don't think Pedro can, can give you anything next season anymore. He's, he's a really good player in terms of, like, kind of energy and keeping things sticking along and stuff. But he's not, you know, he's not the game changer you need, which is why they kind of have Pulisic, but he's unfortunately not been. You know, he's not been, the ba- he's young. We forget how young he is and, you know, they're going to have inconsistencies. But if they can get him firing next season, if they can get hudson doy firing next season, they're going to replace Pedro's at least numbers very easily. Um, so Pedro's not really one to keep. And I think william they've been kind of trying to get rid of, slash other clubs have wanted him for so long that I don't think they're serious enough about keeping him. Um, and I think he wants to go. But Giroud is really the one I feel that they should keep. Um, he is someone that doesn't rely on pace um, in his game, obviously the physical ability, but in terms of strength and that goes away less with age compared to say pace um, and acceleration and all that. And he's a very smart player, which also doesn't go away with age. So I think um, keep him. He's the one that kind of with age will keep most of his um, abilities still at at the top level. And he's just a very good player to have come in. And you could see this game. He really made them tick. He kind of, Um, brought the midfield with the attack especially such a young midfield behind him and I mean you look at I mean Barkley I know is not young in age necessarily or not the youngest but in experience he's not he's not that old then you have Billy Gilmore and you have Mason Mount and he just really does a really good job of being available as an outlet so that these guys don't dally too long on the ball um, and they have a really easy decision every time they have it so I would keep him he's after this, after this Euros, he'll not have any kind of international aspirations anymore. Um, so he's not going to be pushing too hard for like, you know, 90 minutes every game anymore. Which I think he's doing now mainly because of the Euros. So he's a great option to keep, especially if Abraham is your number one striker and you're not going to sign a striker. Then you have Ziyech who can replace William, and you go, you know, inform Pulisic, Ziyech and Abraham slash Giroud rotating. That's a wonderful front three if, if they can get him clicking.
1: Yeah, man. Massively agree. Any, anyone, any objections there?
0: Um, I take that as a no. No, not, not really. I, I, would, I would say Tam Abraham probably should not be the starting striker as, you know, he's done okay. But uh, no, I, I, I No, hold on. Give me. I, I think he's done okay. I think he's done pretty well, actually. It's been a good season. But if you're Chelsea, what are your, what are your goals here? What are your aspirations? Like, this Frank Lampard thing is supposed to be the start of something. Right, And if you're going to get where they want to get, you've got to go after someone more reliable than someone better than Tammy Abraham, who has missed a ton of big chances this season. Like, if, for example, not Cavani in age, but a Cavani in stature, that's who I think they need to go for to lead the line. Tammy Abraham, I don't think, I'm not convinced that he's going to be the guy.
1: Uh, I think that's harsh. and Like, he's got, what, 13 in, in let me just say, 13 to 25 in the league. Uh, he's been injured for a while, and he'll only get better every year, but I, I don't know. If we'll see. Um, I mean, allegedly their chief target is Jadon Sancho's. If they spend $150 million on him, they ain't buying a, a class striker. Um, just on Tammy Abraham, uh, guess what his brother's name is?
0: Uh, did, did, is uh, I, I don't even know how to start guessing this. Timmy. Lincoln. Timmy and
1: Tammy Abraham.
2: It was actually
0: <laughs> obvious. Unbelievable. It was, it was obvious. <laughs>
2: isn't, isn't, there a, uh, isn't there a very famous chocolate called Tim Tams in Australia?
0: Oh, I wouldn't fucking know, mate.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's very famous. Actually, I had an Australian guy that I worked with, and he was always talking about Tim Tams, Tim Tams.
0: <laughs> he sounds <laughs> lovely. There's one called Tom Tom in Nigeria, but yeah. They, they probably have a Tommy Abraham in there somewhere. <laughs> probably.
1: All right, let's move on. Um, the race for the Champions League continues. Two games. Two draws. Wolves are just infuriating. They have a few good weeks where they smash everyone. They look like they're going to make the top four or five. And then they draw nil-nil to Brighton. I don't really have anything more to say about this. Does anyone?
2: Well, I think, you know, this game, yes. But you have to give them credit for the Europa League showing that they, that they had just, I think, the week before. Um, and like we talked about it the previous part about balancing a relatively small squad over so many competitions. Um, so I think kind of their, their really good performances in the Europa League recently, I think this is a little bit of um, a result of that. They're tired. They're, um, you know, they're not, they're not at their tip-top shape physically. Um, tip-top shape. You know, tip-top. <laughs> um, they've also arrested a few players. Like I think, um, what's his name? Adam Atore didn't start this game. Um, Jota was subbed. You know, I think this is just physical fatigue from them. And, you know, if you look at the table, Um, where are they sitting they're sitting in sixth at 43 points so you know I think if they make Europa League again it's a fantastic season and obviously they're looking at the table thinking we might catch Chelsea here if we keep it up but you know go far go deep into the Europa League and make Europa League again and and don't you know I think that's a fantastic season let's not get ahead of ourselves with that you know top four top
1: I mean I don't disagree I just like I think this is an unbelievable opportunity for them, especially if it becomes a top five for the Champions League. Like, I don't know that they're going to have a, a better chance to do this. Um, and the thing is, if Wolves make the Champions League with the money they've already got, and then you add the Champions League money, like, they could turn themselves into a, a regular top four or five team quite easily, I reckon. Mean. So, anyway, that, that, that would be my take on on them. But um, we'll move on to Burnley 1, Tottenham 1. Um, Bernie, Every week we marvel at what an absolutely incredibly shit job Jose Mourinho is doing with this Tottenham team and he
0: just doesn't disappoint. Uh, w- let me defer to Roche because there's the, I think he has a lot more to say about this and there will be a lot more vociferous in his analysis of Jose Mourinho. Uh, Roche, please take it away.
3: Thank you very much, Bernie, for this opportunity of a lifetime to destroy and administer a death sentence towards Jose Mourinho. Um, I'm very pleased that Burnley were able to take a point off Tottenham. I am disappointed that Burnley didn't take three points off Tottenham because um, I want Mourinho to suffer every single time I see his face. I hate him. Um, and, and that's really all I have to add. I'm glad Tottenham dropped two more points because they're in the hunt for uh, you know, chasing the top four. So um, that favours United. And um, yeah, as long as Mourinho doesn't reach his objective of qualifying for Europe or anything, then um, everyone's happy except Mourinho, which is great. Uh, moving on. I think
1: that's fair. And they're, they're actually now in danger of, of really not qualifying for, for Europe at all. Um, such is their... I mean, not that they're too far away in terms of points, but such is their form. Like, they're just horrendous. But uh, Mourinho started this game playing 5-4-1, or 5-2-3, or 5-4-1, whichever you want to look at it. And the back five you got three centre backs, and at right wing back he's got Jaffet Tanganga, who is a centre back, and at left wing back he's got Matongun, who is a centre back. Like five centre backs. This is like top notch, Pulis level tactics. <laughs> you you and they're you know paying what? him fifteen million <laughs>
0: pounds a year to be a Portuguese Pulis. You know what? I I don't understand what he like. You're seeing the man crumble before your very eyes because this bench had uh lacelso on it, um, Ryan Cessignon on it, who is a wing back, Lucas Mora, who I probably would have wanted to play instead of, instead of Lamella, if you want, the, you know, pr- uh, someone who can play up front. Um, I, nothing made sense to me, and you know, I think I think he's actually lost it and I think he needs to go to a psych ward because there's something wrong upstairs and then he after the game he completely malfunctioned like whatever his programming is is in his brain has completely gone off and I understand Ndombele might be lazy or he might not be fit but how can you not learn from the United job how can you not learn from what got you sacked from Chelsea, which is digging out your players in public like that? Like, you can't say these things to the modern player anymore. It doesn't work. When, when Pep Guardiola's players have a bad game, he calls them, He called Ederson still the, the greatest goalkeeper or whatever. He says Phil Foden is, is, be, is the best talent he's ever worked with. Just say these things. Yell at them in, in private all you want. The guy is a nutcase. And Daniel Levy must be feeling like the biggest idiot in the world right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Mohamed, um, what are your thoughts on, on this man management style? As Bernie said, Mourinho's done this everywhere he's been. And the last you could say the last decade it just hasn't worked so how can you justify continuing this nonsense
2: i think um we've talked about this before marini always gets to this point it's just this time he got to it it seems okay. <laughs> like you know, we were talking three weeks in he already got to this point it used to take you know three years then it took three months and then now it takes three weeks <laughs> His next job, like literally in the press conference introducing him, he'll already be like digging out a player. <laughs> but the thing is, I think he, he's doing this thing where Mourinho, when he wants to send a message to the board, he does it publicly. So he'll tell him how bad players that he has are. He'll play players out of position like you talked about, center backs in wing back positions. He'll do all these things as signs to the board that he doesn't have good enough players, and he thinks that this is how you get fans on your side. You go, look, what can I do? I got to play, you know, these people out of position, blah, 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 blah. The fact that, um, you know, he, he digs out his players and does all that, and that's all just messaging to the board. It just is saying, look, so when he fails next season, he can go back and look at the record books. You know, I complained about this guy, and I still have to play him, and I complained about this guy, and I still have to play him. He, all he does is he just strategizes and tactically positions himself in these, in these scenarios where he kind of can, in the future, just absolve himself from any responsibility, which is not a way to lead a team. Take into account as well that this is the least um, talented group of players he's ever had to manage in terms of just pure on paper, right? And we've talked about, you know, when we want to see Pep and Mourinho and uh, Ferguson and, and Arsene Wenger and blah, 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 and we want to say, you know, go take a bad small team and see what you'll do with them. He's in this position right now where this squad is just not good enough according to his standards. And, you know, I agree they're not the best. But he just can't elevate them to better. He just, you know, he can only make them perform to their level and not improve. And that's kind of what we've seen with, with top checkbook managers. And I think it's proving itself out here. He's just not made to take a an average-ish team to a next level. And, you know, I, I, I don't in in the summer he's going to ask for like 200 million and i don't know where levy's going to pull that out of <laughs> <laughs> i i honestly
1: think like, i honestly think that's even a generous assessment like yeah this Tottenham squad has plenty of issues but it's also a squad that reached the champions league final last year it's also a squad that's been in that has reached the champions league position every year for what four or five years in the in the last you know five so this isn't this isn't, you know, Crystal Palace. It's not Burnley. Like, there are very talented players there who other, well, one other manager has got a lot more out of. So I think he's actually getting less from this squad than he could be. I don't think this is even par, frankly.
0: You know, you know the problem is, remember guys when he didn't have a job and that video they were interviewing him and he started crying (laughs) i miss football i don't know what to do with myself like you've seen that meme of um of freaking pablo escobar just with his hands behind his back and like on the swings and all that that was jose Mourinho, and then he went on sky saying I've looked inside and I've learned in the next job, I want to have the right structure. This job does not have the right structure, not whatsoever. And he said that he's learned his lessons. They they paraded all this nonsense of him talking to people behind the scenes at Old Trafford (laughs) to learn what he did wrong. And he came out, and as Mo said rightly, three weeks, mate. (laughs) Three weeks. And you've done actually the same things and then some. Like, Like... I don't know. It's comedy, and someone right. Someone said they're just enjoying Jose Mourinho destroy another club that's not United, and I'm loving it. I just,
1: it, oh my god, it really is amazing. Uh, Spurs have uh, Leipzig tomorrow. They're going to get smashed. I, I had a thought today that Nagelsmann might as well like start chatting to Ndombélé and try to rehabilitate him because he's probably going to have to at some point in the next couple of years. Whether like Leipzig buy Ndombélé or Spurs appoint Nagelsmann when Mourinho. Burns to the ground. Either way, he might as well start now. Anyway, a uh, couple of minutes left in part one. So, Roche, uh, talk us through the disappointment that you felt when Liverpool beat Bournemouth 2-1. <laughs>
3: um, I mean, I've been disappointed for roughly 27 wins that they have had this season in the Premier League so far. But um, I was very happy when Bournemouth, Bournemouth went up 1-0. And, uh, you know, given that they've lost three of their last four games, I thought, well, maybe there's hope here for another loss. But uh, quickly, that was extinguished when Mane and Salah, the usual suspects, decided to put themselves 2-1 up. Um, whatever, I guess the league is lost at this point And Liverpool have won. Congratulations. They deserve it. They're like 20, 25 or 27 points ahead. But um, I have to say that they're looking a bit weaky, uh, shaky sh- shaky, and shaky and leaky in recent weeks so hopefully this week's champions league fixture atletico madrid can put one or two goals past them and uh, knock them out of every competition except for the league making their league uh, win that much more less significant and um, i guess that's all i'm clinging on to right now but in the big picture uh, congratulations on winning the league and hopefully you win it sooner so that no one really cares when it's match day 38 <laughs>
1: fair enough um, I want to talk about well three things from the Liverpool sectors one is the quality of the goals uh, Salah's especially I thought it was wonderful the finish into the near post um, Mohamed as the finishing specialist on the pod what was your take on that
2: their father <laughs> <laughs> yo this is Salah's team man I don't care what anyone says okay and Bernie you gotta wait till I'm done or else the connection <laughs> So, So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be be honest. This season hasn't been top in terms of performances. It's still been top in terms of stats and all that. But, yes, performances hasn't been the most fluid. But this finish was smart. And, again, with Salah, and, you know, it's kind of starting to wear off a little bit now, but it's one of the players that most surprised me. And I had the biggest difference between expectation and reality so when he signed from roma i was like you know this is a speed demon and he's gonna push the ball and run and it's gonna like bobble all over the place and that's all we're gonna get from stuff i did not expect him to have you know those touches where he kills it coming you know the ball coming down with snow on it and he just kills it or he turns a player or he gives a little flick and a finish like this one where he intentionally puts it you know near near post to kind of trick the keeper which is he always goes you know um, he always opens the body and goes wide. So I thought, you know, he keeps surprising me with what he he's capable of doing and what he is doing. And surprisingly, I think he's adding more to his game as time goes on, um, just from a different you know different strengths perspective and what he can and can do. So I'm 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 happy for him that he that he's able to do that. And I thought this game again, he's dangerous and he attracts players towards him. They kind of swarm around him, which gives other players a lot of free space. You know, the Firmino's and them. Um, So, yeah, no, I was, again, as Roche would say, slightly carpet finish, and and I was happy with it.
1: Um, Bernie, where do you rank Salah? Because Mohamed often talks about him being underrated, even though, you know, he's a popular player. We all recognize how well he's doing. But maybe uh, he doesn't quite get the amount of credit that other goal scorers would have in the past. Where does he rank for you in terms of Premier League greats?
0: Um, It's a tough one because it's easier to rank them when their careers are done. But I think I think the problem is we're in a bit of an era where a lot of people are underrated. Although, you know, look at Aguero, for instance. He's massively underrated for the contribution that he's given to the Premier League, except he has Aguero and all that. I think the difference is Salah has, is a bit like a machine, where it's goal, 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 goal. And he does have that, you know, that remember that slaloming run? I think it was against Everton or something like that. But it's that, it's that moment. And I think... Legends are still made in moments as opposed to long periods of output. For example, Frando Torres had a great goal scoring output, right? No one really cares about him anymore. Rooney has bicycle kick, Aguero has Aguero, Henri has, you know, that obviously more than one moment, but that Man United one that you think about. And Salah, I think there just isn't that one that's just you, 10 years down the line, you're going to be like, yeah, Salah did that. It's more of an output thing over long, over, you know, consistency. And I think that's a bit less sexy. So I don't know. He'll probably make the top 10 for me when all said and done. But it's just, it's not, there's something missing there. And then, and that's, that, that's it for me. Do you feel the same way about Mane? Though? Um, mm, listen, there's banter and then there's reality. Okay. Banter, Mane the greatest thing that ever happened in Liverpool Football Club. That's just, that's just a fact uh that's that's that, that's my factual banter if i want to play <laughs> but in reality yeah i mean come on like yes sonny uh not sonny Mane is the guy that makes salah look good i give you that sure but you know so Sala, it's Salah. Sala is the guy that's, that's that's just a fact
2: but you know uh, i I, I, think,
0: I can be humble about that
2: i think bernie the the answer your original answer to salah's question is actually it's a good perspective. I didn't think about it that way in terms of that moments that you're talking about. The thing is, I also feel... I mean, Salah had moments, but they're not major. Like, he had the everything goal or he had the Spurs goal. But I know you mean, like, it didn't directly result in something right away, at least. And, you know, where, where the moments come in a season is also very important and against which rival and blah, blah, blah. I just feel that because Liverpool, as well as a team, is so well-oiled that we think of them as... One, we don't necessarily pick one guy out. I mean, yeah, Salah, his first season maybe, was like a really standout player. But the next two seasons, um, he's still been good. But it's been part of a well-oiled machine that it's much harder to kind of pull that guy out and like have him stick in your memory. Um, Which is why, for example, when you think of Aguero, I think, you know, I remember Aguero's moments and kind of that thing way more when City was still in the ascendancy with you know, rocky here and there, needing to be QPR in the final day. Like, you know, you're not, you know, you're not completely just bulldozing the league with Kevin De Bruyne, etc. Um, and that's kind of when Aguero still lives in the memory. It was back then. Now, even though his apple might be similar and whatever, it's still within an, that well old machine where it takes a bit of the shine out. You know, you look at Yaya Toure. Yaya Toure spent how long in the league? A couple of seasons. But that one season was, you know, for the record books. And I think, a season like that, I think right now stands out with people more than, let's say, you know, Drogba's best season. Even Salah's best season. You know, it, it was so individual in a group of bad, or like he was just so different than everyone else. That Salah, unfortunately, will not get that with this Liverpool side. Liverpool
1: became a well-oiled machine when he joined. Like, they were pr- pretty good. They were getting somewhere. They were improving bit by bit. but. They weren't, you know, before, let's remember, when before Salah joined 2017-18, we and plenty of other people thought, Klopp has hit his ceiling here. Like, yeah, they press, yeah, they're dynamic, yeah, you know, they're a bit more attacking than they used to be. Still can't really defend very well. You know, there are still a lot of problems. Salah, and, and obviously Van Dijk was a massive, was a massive um, purchase as well and elevated them. But Salah, Joining 2017-2018, they reached the Champions League final. The next year they reached the Champions League final again and finished one point off, off winning the league. 2019-20, they win the league by an absolute landslide. And before him, they weren't even close to these achievements. So while he is part of a machine, I think he was also the thing that that made them great.
2: Yeah, no, I think I think we all make good points, and they're not, you know, they're not necessarily contradicting. I think they all they all contribute to kind of a really good discussion about Salah, and I think you're right again. You guys keep saying things that I necessarily not have thought of. And Alex, I, I think you are right when what um Van Dyke did for them at the back, Salah did do at the front, and we never expected this output from Salah. Um, the <laughs> last topic this week Arsenal
1: won, West Ham nil. Um, wanted Arsenal are at home, West Ham were better than Arsenal, the goal was a bit of a joke. Um, how did you feel afterwards, during?
2: Um, this was a weird one. This was one where you just don't know what to expect anymore. It was, I wasn't looking forward to it once the game started. You could tell right away that we weren't in our, in our kind of strut. We weren't playing that pressing game that you know, Arcteta wants us to play. And West Ham were better than us, and they were killing us on the counter. Antonio was ripping us apart. He was doing what Martial and James were doing to City. He was just getting the ball, running up the field every time, running at our slower centre-backs and um, being a big danger. And I just don't think Arsenal clicked into gear at all, even though the lineup was pretty much, you know, starting 11 um, with Nketiah kind of in form over Lacazette. So I don't know why we, we, we played at the level we played. I just, the consistency is not there. And I have to say, um Bernd Leno was man of the match for me. He was phenomenal this game. And he just showed once again why I think he's one of the most important signings. I mean, after Aubameyang, he's definitely the second best player we've had for the last two, three seasons now. Easy.
1: Uh Bernie, you, you support a team that has a rubbish goalkeeper. What do you think about Bernd Leno? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> uh, I, I think Leno, Leno has saved you uh, quite a bit. Um, the problem is and i know this is going to sound like i'm taking you know i'm hating on the guy but he's he still makes judgment ish errors and i can't remember how old he is so 26 ish he's only six 20 26 or so. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, so in goalkeepers terms he still has room to grow but coming out for crosses commanding the area he did it he's done it a bit better and in this game was a little bit better but he doesn't and he's a good shot stopper he reminds me a bit of De Gea a couple years ago where he's a good shot stopper but there's a lot of other problems with the guy Um, but generally I thought he was good and he has saved you although still leads the league with my calamity goalkeeper uh, in terms of errors leading to goals but that said let's leave that aside Um, I thought Aubameyang was a little bit weird in this game and I made him captain (laughs) in FPL because I thought this is going to be amazing um, I will, I will give Ozil credit. I thought he was very composed, um, with the assist. Um, and I thought overall, he actually probably of the attacking players was the best of them. Pepe is, is weird in that he's so talented yet does weird things. Um, that will get out of his game. But again, the defense was absolutely horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Jared Bowen is just running at, at, at them. Like, at, at will and it's jared freaking bowen he just came from the champ- championship i don't understand like it's i don't know the defense and defensive midfield whoever's supposed to be there next season's got to fix it has to uh well
1: what if i give you this stat arsenal have kept clean three sheets
0: in the past four league games as many as they had in their previous 23 alex you can give me this stat all you want you and i both know that defense is terrible Like, you you know this, and no stat will convince you, You, I'm saying you, because I know you know, it's garbage.
1: I'm not going to argue, what I'm going to do is move (laughs) swiftly on uh, to another stat, which is that David Moyes has never won at Arsenal in 16 attempts, which is absolutely bloody hilarious. Oh, it's a Premier League record, apparently. So, you know, West Ham must have known they weren't going to do anything here.
2: Can we play you every week? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Uh, what I will say though is that Arsenal's results while performances are uh, sort of all over the place um, and forgetting about the Olympiacos debacle of of early 20 Let's not
0: forget about that we never talked about that actually
1: already have, don't know how I even brought it up Um, (laughs) uh, oh you know what wiped it from my memory was the epic 2-0 victory over Portsmouth in the FA Cup Um, results are actually fairly good, beat Everton beat West Ham um Beat Newcastle, drew with Chelsea. You know, like, the, we're Arsenal certainly a lot more solid a team than they were in the first half of the season. And I don't know, Mohamed, I am encouraged, and I think that
2: the future is is brighter. It's it's one thing, and and this is where I think Bernie gets hung up. It's one thing to say we're solid, and it's another to say we're solider. Okay, we <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely solider. For sure, are we solid? I mean, to make top four, not yet. But as in not this season. I mean, in general, if we play like this, we're not gonna make a top four spot. But are we solider in two months that he's been here? A hundred percent. And is it you know the best it's ever gonna be? No. And is you know are we still gonna get mistakes? Yes. And are we gonna have these random games like Olympiacos? Yes. But are we better than where we were under Emery? A hundred and twenty-five thousand percent. Now. The problem is it's the hope that kills you because when Arsenal won this game, we were five points away from Chelsea. We were two points away from United. And we thought, all right, Chelsea are playing everything, could slip up, and United are definitely not going to get three points against City. And you're like, here we go. It's back on, and we're, we're back in the day. And then the two games go on, and you know we know what happened there. And now we're like miles away. This is how crazy the league has been from, from basically one day to the next. You could think you're going to make top four to, well, I hope we still make Europa League. Um, but yeah, Alex, I, I'm, I'm sure you agree with that kind of the improvement that we've had. It's just whether it's good enough or not, I don't know. But I'm, I'm excited about Saliba next season. I don't know if you've seen the clip of him leading Saint-Étienne to their cup final with like a bursting run through midfield in the last minute and whatever. At this age, he seems to be the talisman of that team. And I'm excited to see what he brings to us. I'm I'm
1: actually looking forward to it. What, <laughs> what I will say is of the YouTube
0: defenders, Saliba is absolutely one of the best. <laughs> Alex, you're you're not even getting the point about Saliba. Forget YouTube defending like skills. Have you seen his Benzema-esque uh, compilation like fashion compilation things with the you know how benzel puts out that video it comes out the mercedes and then his shoes and all that stuff <laughs> saliba's got that sauce and i was like okay I, if i was an arsenal fan i could get behind that
1: mate when he and bellerin join forces the world's not gonna know what's hit them
0: um i, I do have a question for you guys though um is doing a good job so far, um, let's say. Uh, you know it's Similar man- managers have come in, done good jobs in the beginning. Does it matter if he's capable of doing a good job or not, considering... wanted made a point about you know, signing Willian, for instance. Where, where is your club in terms of, A, what it, it wants to achieve, and B, what it, what it can do? Because I think Bernie. he will be limited there.
2: Bernie, Arsenal have recorded a 27 million loss in the 2019 financial accounts, which is the first loss since 2002. So that tells you all you need to know. And we have an owner that will not put a penny from his own pocket into the club. So we started the transfer season with a minus 27 million deficit. And the Europe, we're out of the Europa League, which only got us something like 13 million in revenue this season. So that tells you all you need to know about our, our spending power. We've got no players to sell that are at their peak. And yeah, if, I hope that answers it.
1: So, I mean, I, I just want to add to that. Basically, the only possible way to rebuild is if Arteta has like four or five low-key targets that we can get for not very much money, which we can fund
0: by selling one of Aubameyang or Lacazette or both. You better hope that's, that's, that's Lacazette, even though he, he did score. But I guess my, the reason I'm asking the question is, you know, you look at Wolves who are upwardly mobile, I guess, with, and with they have the financial backing. United are on a decent trajectory, we'll see, but three points off top four and with spending power. Chelsea are going to buy players. Spurs, nah, you're going to finish ahead of them, let's say. Uh, Leicester on the up and up, City and Liverpool. There are still a hell of a lot of teams, and the only way you're going to do anything to get past them is really to outspend them, because outcoaching is not really a thing anymore in terms of getting yourself way, way, way above where you should be it's it's unless you have a great director of football scouting like lester do where the coaching complements that you you don't have that back end
1: so Um, that's scary no i mean everything to do with arsenal is scary what i will say in response to your point about coaching is and it takes a very special coach to do it um and Mohamed might hate me for saying so but we have a very good recent example of a team who were coached into being far better than money would have allowed otherwise, and that is Pochettino's Tottenham. He did it. Like, Didn't have the backing, didn't have the money, 100% coached his team into being better than, than their rivals. Can Arteta do that? It's a tall ask, but from what we've seen so far, he's improving individuals, he's improving the collective, so I'm not going to rule out that he can make this squad overachieve.
2: Yeah, and I think, I think the one thing that we're seeing, and Bernie, this is related to also your question about, you know, our backing in the transfer market. We are heavily reliant right now on some youngsters that if they do push through and continue this trajectory in Saka, in Nketiah, in, in Martinelli, especially Saka, Martinelli, and then you add the Saliba um, in terms of that age bracket and the Guendouzi, you take those four plus Pepe potentially as the, as the new shiny signing. If we get those five players um, firing, that's already five positions on the field that, you know, he doesn't need to make up for with, tra- with, with, with signings because our academy has been providing them. And obviously, as Alex said, it's a tall ask, and, you know, this is definitely the glass half full, but he, if anyone's going to do it, I feel like he is prepared to go down this path and he's not just going to be throwing money or wanting to throw money at problems. And if we believe what is being said in terms of city's targets and when he was there and looking at these players, and I think, um, um, what's his name? Um, our our new center defender, um, Pablo Mari. I think he was one of City's targets. I think, you know, Arteta's really bringing some of those unknown targets that he had at City two to the table. And if we are able to continue to do that, there is a little bit of hope. But obviously, you know, it's not the best path of taking. But at least we have someone that is willing and capable to go down that path. Now the results we'll have to wait and see.
0: I mean, it's it's a good path to go on. You guys know I believe in the youth movement, but you're not the only team that's even doing that chelsea and united doing the same thing and they have money to to add on top of it so uh, i don't know you you guys it's, 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 yes yes bernie
2: true. yes bernie we're gonna get really good thank you
1: <laughs> it's a what, what we can say is that it is a wonderful test of arteta's coaching like we're not gonna have to wait long to to really get a test of, of how good arteta is okay Couple minutes. Um, any stories from Europe? Italy has been shut down. Serie A is not happening until at least April third. How they are go- like? If there's one country you don't want to trust with complicated admin and scheduling, <laughs> it's Italy. So I don't know how that's going to work out. And of course, it would happen in the first season in you know a hundred years that Juve aren't may may not win the league. Even though Mohamed, you watched uh, Juve Inter and and Juve were were fairly good, no.
2: Yeah, they were, and and you know, someone on Twitter said um, said you know Ramsey scored and killed Syria, which I thought was <laughs> um, obviously we know the running joke about Ramsey scoring and celebrities dying, but um, Ramsey was very much involved in this game. Um, I think the first half was quite an equal affair. Um, Inter held their own, and it was it was it was you know equal 50-50. But then in the second half, uh, Juve pulled away. Ramsey with, with a goal and an assist. DiBala's goal was brilliant. I think he came on. I don't think he started um, unless unless he was that invisible in the first half. I would say he came on. Um, and, you know, a brilliant goal from him. Amazing run. Really good finish. But before, kind of, I guess we already did. I want to talk about the atmosphere in this game being played behind um, closed doors without fans. It was depressing. Thinking about, you know potentially a lot more games being played this way where you can hear the echo of the few that kind of snuck into the stadium um the commentator has no background noise whatsoever it's just his voice it's you can hear the players you can hear the ball hitting their foot like it just was not fun it was actually quite depressing to think of the sport without match going fans so um something for you know all the tv companies to think about that are pricing these fans out and the scheduling and you know i don't think the sport would survive i would definitely not tune into games if this was how the whole season
0: was? Honestly, like, if it, like I think it was in the same day where it contrasted the Manchester derby, which was a rowdy, rowdy, loud atmosphere. And then I watched that game. I was like, what's going on here? Like, and you know, the Italian fans are actually pretty loud. When we went to Rome and it was, what, 25% full? But it was still rowdier than, you know, Emirates or Old Trafford. So it's interesting, contrast that Old Trafford was loud in, over the weekend. If they can do that with that many fans, boost, boosting the fan experience in Italy should be important. But, of course, no one could do anything about coronavirus, which is pretty sad right now. But, you know, selfishly, I kind of hope that we end the Premier League due to corona so that Liverpool don't have to win the league.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think we'd all pay for that on Twitter, should it happen. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Serie A. Uh, it's going to be an absolute mess to reschedule everything. Um, and it, it does beg the question whether, you know, that means their season will presumably have to go into the summer and then you've got the Euros, which I, I really can't see how they can go ahead something, with the Euros, especially when it's supposed to be hosted in 10 different countries.
2: Something that people haven't really touched upon is if they were to cancel the season in Italy, I feel bad for Immobile. He's on course to win the Golden Boot like, Europe's golden boot, not just, you know, not Serie A, or whatever it's called in, in Italian. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's of course, to win a major individual accolade. And if they cancel it now, I, I would feel bad for him, actually, quite a bit. Well, that and that might actually win the league. Sure. Yeah, I, I just feel that's a less of a possibility than, I feel it's more chance than him winning the golden boot. But yeah.
0: Also, for the sake of racial relations, let's just cancel Serie A. How about that? <laughs>
1: I mean, that's a much better
0: reason to cancel it.
1: (laughs) Uh, But that's enough of cancel culture, Bernie. Enough of that. Um, (laughs) What happened in Spain? Barcelona won just about. 100, any any Barcelona feedback?
2: Yeah, it wasn't a very good game from Barcelona as has been the last, I think, all season. Um, Messi with a penalty that was a very weird penalty. Got called back like minutes later after it actually happened for a handball that I thought The whole point of VAR is to kind of be able to assess whether it was intentional, not intentional. I thought it was a very soft penalty. Um, Messy scoring. Um, But again, a very bad game overall for them. And they're only being helped by the stupidity of Real Madrid. You know, losing to whoever they lost to this week for no apparent reason. Betis. Betis, yeah. Like It's like, come on, man. Like, This is your league, finally. This is the time to win the league. Just do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're two points off. I I really can't. I mean, I I saw the highlights of that game. Madrid couldn't defend. Marcelo was on the pitch. Bernie, correlation?
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, Look, Marcelo can never defend, but now he's older. It's even worse. Um, (laughs) But uh, Real Madrid, you can't trust them right now. And that's scary because they have the Man City game, which they lost the first leg. And I don't remember who said what anymore. Um, Alex, can you keep us honest? Who said who would go through?
1: I said City. Uh, Mohanad very much said Real Madrid. He has reiterated that this week. Um, I don't remember what you or Riche said about this game in particular.
0: I feel like I said the opposite of Mohamed, um, Yes, Just, just, yes, just because. Good man. Uh, and considering the form that they're in and they're away from home. Mm, yeah, that, it's not a good time for them to be playing like absolute dog shit. Oh, yeah, I think that so. was
2: that was my prediction before they lost the Bettys.):
1: <laughs> <laughs> Or ever the opportunist. All right, but to be fair, to be yeah.
2: fair City did lose two 0 to United. So, also people. Also, speaking of, I, I know this is a complete different topic, but you know how we were doing all our predictions, and I predicted Atleti as well. So, someone over the weekend was like, "So Bournemouth scored at Anfield, but you think Atleti won't?" <laughs> So, I'm looking forward to that one. I really think Atletico have a goal in them there. I mean, I
1: think there's an argument for Callum Wilson being a better striker than Alvaro Morata. <laughs> I, I legitimately think there's more chance of Bournemouth scoring at Anfield than Atletico scoring at Anfield. <laughs> All right, let's end this. But before we do, let's run through very quickly the Champions League fixtures this week. Reiterate or change our predictions like opportunist gets. Uh, Leipzig won, Tottenham nil so far. Anyone think that Spurs can turn us around? <laughs> No, agreed, Mohamed.
2: Sure, oh god. I, I hate doing this obvious thing, but sure. Wow, <laughs> w- Mohamed um. wants to be hipster with his prediction. Oh
0: my god!
1: I thought I was the contrarian. All right, Valencia, Valencia, a four-one down to Atalanta. Is anyone going to be hipster about this?
2: A hundred percent Valencia to go through. <laughs>
1: Moving on, PSG Dortmund, sadly behind closed doors. Uh, this one's actually really interesting, though. PSG one, Dortmund two.
2: Um, I, I would, I I'm know. gonna go. I'm gonna go PSG two one to take it to extra time. Then I can't predict, but that's that's a detailed enough prediction, I think.
0: I'll I'll go PSG in regular time. What? Like not extra
2: time, Yanni. Just regular, like. How oh, you think, P- you think Dortmund's gonna score one, and then PSG's gonna score three?
0: I think Dortmund's defense is worse than PSG's defense, and I think that's where it's gonna come down to.
2: Yeah, but isn't it like Neymar's sister's birthday today? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: enjoyed Mohanad's baseline
1: assumption that Dortmund are getting at least one. <laughs> I need to check the check the
0: statistics for uh, Neymar's sister. <laughs> I don't think you have the facilities for that, <laughs> big man. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, Atleti, Mohamed,
1: you are on record. We're all on record. I still think Liverpool will do it.
2: Atleti for sure. I called it. I called when it's going to happen. I called how it's going to happen, and here we are.
0: Let it go, man. Wow, Bunny. <laughs> uh, Salah's going to have his historic moment. Ooh. Hey, finally, then he but can do it. Van Van guys. Percy.
2: Yeah, Salah is never going to have a historic moment. He scored in a Champions League final. No one can remember the goal. Can you remember how the goal went in? Mate, he's going to score from the halfway line. That's
0: what he needs to do at this point. (laughs) You know what's sad is I remember his dislocated shoulder
1: far more than the goal. Exactly. I
2: I actually can't recall the goal right now.
1: Nope. City, Real Madrid. I still go with City.
2: Wait, this is happening like in two weeks,
1: mate. Oh, whatever.
2: Okay, sure. I think I think Madrid will do a turnaround.
1: City, cool. city, and finally Juventus Lyon. Lyon are one 0 <laughs> up.
0: Uh, can Juventus play this game? Because like they've locked the border. Can Juventus? <laughs> like, like, is this allowed? <laughs> I, I, serious question. Like the, the Conte, who the prime minister has actually closed the whole country down now. Like that happened today. Can they do this?
1: I don't know. I think, like, Champions League games are going to have to start being played in, like, North African countries.
2: I love, I love the fact that uh, there's, a po- there's a slight possibility that the inter manager and the prime minister are just the same person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the minute they lost to Juve, he just put the whole country on lockdown.
0: So, I, I think that Leon are going to be so terrified of touching the Juventus players and getting coronavirus that they will lose three, though.
2: Yeah, but then how will Ronaldo get a penalty? Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Sorry, in training, the, uh. the manager, the manager's like, "Right, lads,
1: we're going to play man marking," and the players are like, "Absolutely not, <laughs> zonal,
2: <laughs> zonal marking, <laughs> zonal. asking." Um, I gotta say, we also we also um, went past a very quick Wednesday fixture. Um, the City Arsenal game is happening on Wednesday in the Premier League. Just in case people use the spot to kind of remember who's playing, so you know, catch that during the. Um, in okay, the... p- predict that
0: one. Imagine using this pod for your fixtures. <laughs> like, let me go to minute, minute 47 <laughs> to see when Arsenal's playing. Oh, my God. Uh, 3-1, Man City. 3-1. Three, three, uh, sorry, I said 3-2 because no one can defend in this fixture. Arsenal's going to score two versus City? Okay, what do you want? I said 3-1, then you said in three. Then you're like, Which one do you want?
2: That's how a contrarian works. It doesn't matter <laughs> I one one. I agree with that.
3: We
1: haven't
0: been conceding many goals lately, Arsenal.
2: Okay, thanks for jinxing.
0: Yeah. Kevin no De Bruyne problem. with three assists, all from crosses, all random and blind, just so no more on it.
2: Mate, he better do something because I captained him because he has two games this, this game week and he didn't play against United. I am fuming. <laughs> <laughs> fuming, but smart.
1: All right, we'll end it there. Bernie, thank you very much. Yep, see you later, Mohamed. Speak to you soon. All righty, and Rachet, our departed brother. Not that he's not dead, he just left <laughs> the pod early. Um, we'll speak to him soon, too. And we will see a lot of you, presumably, at trivia night Wednesday at Opera Bob's in Toronto.
2: See you there. Wait, 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 wait. Here's in case there's a tie between teams, the secret word is watermelon. Watermelon, I wow. love it, Mohaned. Well wow. done. Okay, good night.